Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. Jeff and I are super excited tonight to be sitting down with two of the four co-founders of Scoopy Milk Bar, Angelo and Tessia. Scoopy Milk Bar, if you don't know already, is a Melbourne-based store that was established in 2018 that specializes in bingsu, a Korean-shaped dessert. How are you both today? It's so good to see you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, really good. So, uh, so good to be here. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Scoopy is one of those places where I felt like I went to and, you know, Bingsu was like always like a dessert that I really liked and it's really great to kind of see you guys grow so quickly it's everywhere. over the last years. It's yeah, everywhere. and it's amazing. I can't um, open Instagram was- without seeing it. Like someone I know is there <laughs> and you've got the classic shot just like pouring the condensed milk. Never gets old. Never and it's delicious. Old. And it's delicious. Yeah. Actually, before we start, quick one. What is your favorite flavor? Just out of mm. curiosity. Um, so mine personally is uh, Royal Taro, and I think, you know, that's probably the basic answer. A lot of people will probably agree with me when they say Royal Taro is the best. Mm. But I think it's just uh, such a high-quality flavor, and it's very unique, and it's very it's something that's, like, super close to me because I grew up drinking, like, bubble, like, taro shade. Taro like, too, yeah. Mm. Taro, like, ice-crushed bubble tea growing up. Nice. So it's a very nostalgic flavor. It's probably my favorite. Hmm. Mm. For me, it like changes all the time. But I think uh, my Thai times or the Thai milk tea flavor is mm. uh, is my favorite. Oh, amazing! Now I'm getting hungry. I mean, just to backtrack though, you know, how did the idea for Scoopy come about, and where did the name come from? So it all started back in 2018. And I think that year was a year that Angelo and I were traveling quite a fair bit. So at the start of that year, we had spent five weeks in Japan. Mm. And then later in the year, in the middle of the year, we spent three weeks in the USA. Um, and we actually tried being sued for the first time in the US, uh, down in San Diego, at a cafe called Mango Cafe. And it was recommended to us from an uncle who lives down that way. And he was super excited about this new dessert spot that just opened up um, next to his house. And he really wanted us to go and try it. Yeah, it was um, it was an amazing looking dessert. We were blown away with the presentation mm. and the experience. And, and then when we came back to Melbourne, it was like, where can we find this? Uh, mm. like the, in, within our city and, mm. you, and know, you know we couldn't yeah. find it we tried a different like a couple of different places and they did offer bingsu but it just wasn't the same like quality and, and experience that we had overseas mm. Mm. so we kind of I was I was the one who was craving it like crazy because it was coming up to summertime when we came back from the US and you know nothing beats the heat like a bingsu but um, it just wasn't the same. And then, you know, we kind of just was one evening after dinner, we kind of just was playing around with the idea. And I kind of said to Angelo and I said, hey, how about we start a business that sells bingsu? Mm. 
and um, and then since then it's just been like a whirlwind of events and we it's it's so surreal sometimes about how we're even in this position you know after just that one conversation about saying hey how about we just start it and see what happens yeah yeah I mean like and that's where all like the best that. ideas yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just those like small conversations and then it's that leap of faith that you take. And then like a year later or like three years later, you're like, wow, I can't believe like we've come this far. But like how, what's the history of Bingsu like as a dessert? I, I feel like it's really blown up as like the it dessert. It's something that's really popular and something that people want to eat all the time because one, it tastes amazing and it looks pretty. Like does, does it have like a longer history though than like the last five years when you've sort of seen that popularity come up? Um, in terms of the history of it in, in Melbourne, uh, I would say, you know, you have your dessert stories, um, yeah. who, who really like introduced shaved ice to, to Melbourne. So you have, like, I think that's the Taiwanese version. Mm. And then I think you had a couple of Malaysian restaurants, um, introduce, uh, their version of it, which is ice kacang. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether the Japanese version of it has ever reached Melbourne Shores. That is yeah. Kakigori. I've never um, seen it. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, time's out of business. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> it's I, massive though. Yeah. I think um, in terms of like the history of it, like I think shaved ice desserts is such a universal dessert for like all Asian countries like China, Japan, Korea, mm. Taiwan vietnam thailand everyone has their own like version of it we just happened to stumble upon the korean version of it and um you know it's it's been such a long standing dessert that's super popular in korea and they have their own unique way of having it where it's usually you know um milky ice with red bean uh, injolmi powder which is a soybean powder and condensed milk and that's normally Mm. how they would have it in korea um, but obviously, when we had it in the US, it's definitely been westernized since then. Mm. And then we kind of wanted to bring that kind of fusion evolved version mm. to Melbourne. Because I felt like that was something that would fit perfectly in like the mm. whole, you know, in culture that Melbourne has. Yeah. And just uh, just to, I guess, bring it full circle as well. I mean... Uh, all the co-founders of um, Scoopy or Asian Australians as well. I guess that is that kind of cultural connection to it as well, I presume. Yeah, so the four of us are all, well, all of us except for Angela are all Australian born. <laughs> Angela was born in New Zealand. Yeah, mm. Wellington, if anyone Close cares. <laughs> yeah, shout out to everyone from New Zealand. Um, but yeah, we were all born here, first generation. All of our parents were from you know, um, their, you know, mother, motherland country. And then they Mm. moved here and then, yeah, we were lucky enough to grow up here and start, you know, our education, our lives here. And that's something we're grateful for. Mm. No, for sure. And and I guess like you, 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 to to sort of sidetrack and move into the, the family element of it. So for many Asians, like we've sort of raised in, risk averse households you think like immigrants come over they've taken a big risk to start a new life and they want you to take this you know a safer career pathway classic doctor lawyer engineer etc all in that sort of bandwidth but like have you always had the urge and drive to start your own business is this something that you've always strived to do or is it sort of that 
aha moment that you had in that conversation where it's like we should start a bingsu business um for me it not that i necessarily always wanted to start a business i think it really goes back to like in high school i went to a relatively small high school um so you really got involved in a lot of things um so you know back in high school i used to you know put um videos out on youtube and really mm. get involved in um the school band and do a whole bunch of things and i think it was that mindset and mentality of just like saying screw it let's just do it because um why not let's just try something new mm. um and that kind of carried through um different moments in my life and i think um when tessia said to me hey let's start a business i took that mindset and i was just like yeah why not let's just do it let's just go for it and mm. um you know i mean i i did study commerce in uni um so and i am now a chartered accountant so i mean i did follow the traditional route to an mm, extent yeah. um although i wanted to do something different with that um if i could and the opportunity came or the opportunity was created by us and yeah we just run with it how about you test yeah um similar to angelo i'm still very much in a very traditional pathway i'm currently in my final year of dentistry mm. and when <laughs> i graduate at the end of this year I'll technically be a practicing dentist so yeah. my parents will be very very happy about that <laughs> um, <laughs> but um <clears throat> i think with myself <clears throat> i personally have always been quite ambitious um but not just because like that's the type of personality that i have but i think i always reflect back on like the risks that my parents took to get to come, to come here mm. and to do the things that they do and even growing up um a lot of the first jobs that a lot of um immigrant parents have are you know contractual work or like work that they have to do for themselves to kind of start up because it's it wasn't easy back then to get a job at a company or a business especially if you didn't speak the language um so you know they were already kind of paving the way of like you know becoming very you know self-driven to find ways or find opportunities for themselves and i think that's mm. just reflected in the way that i approach things now grow like now um so when you know the opportunity to kind of start a business or even think about having a business whilst i was in the middle of study was always something that i played around with when i was studying dentistry because you know with the way that universities run here you get like essentially 6 months off and you know i didn't want to just work and i didn't want to just you know hang around and do other things i guess i just wanted to see what else i could do with my time to be more productive mm. and then yeah the opportunity to start a business came up like angelo said i think it's because we made that opportunity for ourselves the way that my parents made opportunities for themselves as well when they were here mm. and then we kind of just grabbed onto it and ran with it mm i feel like um taking you know taking stock of you know where your parents came from and that kind of risk taking that has influenced you growing up i think that will resonate with a lot of our listeners um because i think that's the nature of you know being children of immigrant parents you do see firsthand just how hard your parents worked um you know to essentially like give you the life that you've had so no thank you for sharing that i think that was that's quite touching um no, and i guess to segue to you know on this theme of success i mean 
bringing it back to Scoopy, what do you think has been the biggest drivers of Scoopy's success? I noticed that, you know, during COVID, I felt like it almost exploded. Um, but I, yeah, I, I want to hear more about, you know, like, I guess the trajectory of Scoopy and what you think has made it become the business it is today. I think when it comes to business, a lot of the success comes from the people that are a part of it. So I'm really grateful to, you know, the four partners that are a part of Scoopy. It's been two and a half years that we've been working really closely with each other and no one's, you know, strangled each other or mm. chucked, chucked a fit yet. A good sign. So, and, you know, friendships are still here. Bridges have not been burnt. Um, but, you know, like it's been, it's, it's definitely the people and the people that we've hired along the way who kind of believe in our vision as well. Um, they're the ones who have been super supportive and helped us grow the way that we have. Um, Mm. and you know, I think having a team where everyone's willing to adapt, change, innovate, pivot, you know, all of those buzzwords, but we love, we love the buzzwords. Yeah, we love the buzzwords, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it actually is super important and actually shows in their action and the way that they approach every problem like I feel like running a business is just 24 7 problem solving Mm. it's just like every day it's a new scenario how do we solve this how do we get the best outcome you know that's essentially what I've learned from running Scoopy Milk Bar it's just problem solving and trying to always create the best scenario and the best outcome at all times and I think that's something that's really um, been a part of why we've been so successful because we've just been so creative and we've just continued to push no matter what the problem was. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think um, thinking back um, to some of the advice we got at the start, and I'm really thankful for the people who are around us who either started businesses or um, had, uh, you know, very... Um, you know, see, they were very seasoned in their experiences and mm. and uh, what they did in business and, and in life. And so we kind of were fortunate enough to be able to go to them and ask them, you know, what what should we do um, and what what would you advise us um, to do as we as we go through this journey? And, mm. you know, part of that was, you know, it wasn't about, you know, uh, look to raise this much money here or um, look to look to this area or um, this type of food or what or whatever um, it was the first piece of advice that we really clung on to was um, you have to build a team that uh, complements that your weaknesses mm. um, you you have to look within yourself and look what you're lacking as a team because that will be your downfall yeah um, so we really sought to build a team that where, um, you know, Tessia and I are not super creative. But Tessia is probably more creative than me. Um, she's the one that does the, creates all the flavors and does the um, innovation and development. So all praise to Tessia. Yeah, what a job. Any, if anyone has any interesting flavors they'd like to try, feel free to, you know, hit me up and let me know. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> down to see what new flavors That is a do. dangerous call. Like people are going to be knocking and <laughs> just <laughs> DMing you nonstop. Hey, I want free Bingsu. <laughs> hey, I want you to make this flavor. It's like my dream flavor. <laughs> you know, I do have a, I do have an idea for you though. Oh yeah. I love corn dessert. 
Have you ever had corn, corn desserts? Have you ever had corn yes. desserts? Like the, yes. there's a there's a Korean ice cream and it's in the shape of a corn cob, and so you have this like corn weight like a shaped wafer on the outside. Then there's chocolate, and then there's corn flavored ice cream with corn kernels and mochi. Like if you could turn that into a bingzu, I would be there every single day. Like okay. I'm obsessed. All right. Well, I'm that. noting it down, Jeff. So if when I make it. <laughs> I yes. to see you every day. <laughs> I would definitely be there. I would. But you know be what? There. You're totally right. Like I love corn desserts. I feel like corn desserts are so underrated. So underrated. So there's underrated. a there's a Vietnamese version. I don't know if it would appeal to a lot of people, but it's essentially like a corn dessert where um, the consistency is not not very appetizing. It actually <laughs> looks like um, the best way to describe it. It's like super slimy. But it's fantastic, and you have it with like sweetened coconut cream. Oh, it's my favorite. Oh man, that's bold. I love it. I love it. Snot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to avoid that word. <laughs> yeah. 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 It. People need to try it. Like, don't knock it till you try it. I'm into that, but that's sort of like boogeyman food for I guess like a lot of Westerners <laughs> who aren't used to that texture. Yeah. Like, like, don't even like even like amongst sweet things. We think about like savory things, like tendon and anything yeah, that's like glutinous that's exactly rice. Right. But I, I love all that stuff. There's a there's a very satisfying feeling when it kind of like slides down your throat. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, you know the what? Texture. If they don't like it, more for us. Correct. Mm. Correct. Yeah, but I guess like with your bingsu, like, did you know it was going to be a hit straight away? Was it one of those like I think this is going to be good or was it like, let's see what happens. Cause I, I think like there's, um, when, when those like stars align and it's like, I think this is going to work. I think, I feel like a lot of people have a gut feeling. You, you talk, like you hear a lot of founders talking about understanding when the perfect storm hits or was it one of those, like, let's just do it and, and, and try it and see if it works. Oh my God. Perfect storm is like actually Angela's catchphrase. He says that about, so many things that happened at Scooby, it's just like, it was the perfect storm, it just happened. Um, but honestly, like, when we started being Sue, we were really open-minded. We were like, look, we have no clue where this could go. This could, you know, we could work on this for a month and then end up turfing it later, you know. Mm. We were really open about it. But, you know, we were open to seeing where it could potentially go as well. And um, funnily enough, when we first made Bingsu and... I remember us receiving our machine, getting it plugged in to my in home, kitchen. home kitchen at my parents' house <laughs> and started running some different things through it, like running milk through it, running cream through it and running different flavored milks through it, for example, and just seeing what came out. And I think that weekend we invited some of our closest friends and family to come try it for the first time. And that was the first time we had ever like really started telling people about what we were doing. And I remember when they came, you know, we had we had we had survey papers out, we had posted notes everywhere. We we're like, please give us as much feedback as possible. We need to know like if you guys wow. think anything is like good about this product. And I remember um, a lot of them just being like, Wow, this is crazy. I've never had anything like this before. Like, this is amazing, guys. Like, how did you even come up with this? So those were already like kind of like green ticks heading mm-hmm. our way. And then what happened next was even more unbelievable. Angelo, we were thinking like, okay, now we have a product. Where do we start selling this product? And Angelo mm. actually reached out to Hawker 
which at the time was like a what was it like an innovation hub like an incubator for like food and beverage um stalls Mm. so like you would have the master chef people the master chef contestants go in there to open up their first concepts so you had Mm. people like um sashi who won um in 2018 um you had uh, diana chan um who was i don't know i think runner-up or winner i think she was the winner in the year before that um you had reynolds uh with koi dessert bar who, mm. who was actually maybe one or two stints before us um and yeah i just and one of our friends said that we would totally fit in that space as a as a concept um so i just cold emailed them and they actually got back to us and um i think the night before we were supposed to meet with them tessia had this bright idea to to do a little bit of a portfolio of our flavors Mm. and and just note we had literally just made bingsu for the first time maybe like five days ago (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah so i'm just because I was, I was, I was the one who made all the flavors. So I was just like, okay, what could we possibly put on on, on all of these things? What flavors shall we show? And we kind of just like, just quickly put all these things together, and we're like, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, okay, sure, why not? And then we ended up doing a quick photo shoot. Um, our creative director Anthony, he put it into a nice folio, uh-huh. and we sent it off. And we were just like, fingers crossed. Yeah. Hopefully, they like it. But yeah, talking about Perfect Storm, like the next day we went to meet with the manager and director of, of Hawker um, and we showed them all of our Bingsu, well, that portfolio and we were talking to them about Bingsu and uh, what we would propose to do and they actually were, were saying that they actually had two other Bingsu operators also wanting to be in Hawker at the same time as us mm. so they they already were approached a couple of times by um one of them was Sul Bing, uh yeah which is a, a, a huge korean chain which just opened this year um in the city and another one was uh, a, a small cafe just outside of the cbd so that was another green tick for us because that told us that there was one demand um and then two there were you know, people vying for the spot that we're in. So we were like, okay, we have to make this happen. Mm. Yeah. And then like, um, it just fell into place. We, they, the other two operators couldn't get in for whatever reason, or they didn't want to be in for whatever reason. And then they literally said to us, okay, great. Are you guys able to start next week? Mm. And we will like, uh, we, we all came together and we were like, okay, Hawker wants us to open for a soft launch with our product, which we just started making five days ago next week. How do we feel about this? And I think we were all on the same page. We were all just like, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's go. Let's just do whatever we can to get ourselves open. So we scrambled. We created the brand Scoopy Milk Bar. We finalized two flavors. We had to buy another machine from Korea and we just plugged ourselves in and went for it. I love that. Like, oh man, that this just sounds so exciting because I, I remember <laughs> um, Isabella and I met up in 2019 overseas. And I remember at the time I was telling her like 2020 is the year 
like that I want to launch something that's my own. And what I wanted to do originally was a sandwich shop because I love sandwiches. It's like when, when you when you travel throughout um, Italy and you get paninis and they're like amazing. The bread is perfect and you get these like amazing sandwich combinations. So I was like, I don't, I've never eaten this in Melbourne. I'm going to bring this back. And oh man, like I still think about it sometimes. So hearing the journey that you guys went through, that's sort of like very lean approach to doing it and just taking the risk and like trying to like jump in um that's making yeah that's uh, maybe as i am next it can still happen, Jeff. Jeff, it's still a possibility we're, we're gonna we're gonna pivot we're gonna we're, this that's the next step we're gonna <laughs> honestly we're gonna to a sandwich, sandwich shop. shops in melbourne have been popping off like crazy oh, yeah. the they have been they have been popping up there's some fire ones i mean like i followed your recommendation angela went to i went to nico's yeah fire oh, so good yeah. Fire. Actually, I think that yeah. was Big I Dog think Belly I saw in Richmond. Nico's from your Instagram post, Angelo. So that's yeah, yeah, I definitely <laughs> saw it from there. So thank you. <laughs> Another good one is our Hector's Deli as well. Yeah, yeah. That's a good um, one. just around the corner, Big Dog Deli. Um, oh, yeah. similar, I reckon that's better than Hector's. Wow. You know, yeah, call, I know. I know. Very, very contentious call. <laughs> very contentious call. But like shorter lines, you get it quicker, and I think the sandwiches mm. are better. All right, all right, all right. We'll anyway, test it out. Yeah, but like. I, <laughs> <laughs> But like, I guess if we think beyond sandwiches and, and maybe just thinking back to Asian food, I think there's definitely some trends over the last couple of years. And you, you, I feel like you see that they're moving quite fast and then develop quite quickly. New restaurants match that demand. Like, for example, the rise of like Sichuan food, it's, it's everywhere now, whether it's like Mala Hot Pot or like, um, uh, what else do they have? dry hot pot a lot, a lot of those sites mm. like Sichuan restaurants and yeah. obviously like very high-end bubble tea that we're like seeing a lot of like chains from Taiwan are coming like do you think Bingsu is one of those ones that's gonna like stay and like would you ever consider broadening the offer that you have like having savory alongside the Bingsu so you get that like complete experience at the one restaurant yeah I mean I think Bingsu definitely is here to stay um but given that you know we're one of the early ones to introduce it to the market maybe there won't be that much more that come in mm. i think it's really up to us to really educate um if we don't do a good job at educating i don't think we'll last um so that's definitely been a focus for us mm. Tess? yeah um i think bing Su's can definitely be a big player at you know the at the food scene in Melbourne and all over Australia. Like what Angela said, I think it's really more so about educating the market and ensuring that every experience, every time is a high quality one. Because mm-hmm. um, we were talking to a friend earlier and, and he was telling us that, you know, a lot of places that follow the trends and follow the hype, they do it so quickly and in such a in such a speedy manner that they forget the quality and they forget the experience and they're just very focused on getting the yeah. product up and just kind of selling it as quickly as they can until before the trend ends. Mm. Whilst I feel as though our approach is very more, very much more of a long-term plan of, you know, slowly building up the brand, educating the market, creating a name for ourselves in Melbourne and just continuing to innovate and reinforce the quality of what mm. we do. Um, I think that's the difference between us and, you know, um, those kind of trendy places. 
they mm. they don't focus a lot on like what the customer perceives on mm. about the trend for them it's like we need to be we need to blow up as quickly as we can and then once the trend dies then we'll just disappear with the rest yep. of them mm. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I feel like, you know, there are a lot of new Asian restaurants in particular that are opening around Melbourne. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, super trendy and Instagrammable. And, you know, essentially they cater towards this younger audience. I'm, I'm curious to hear your views on what you think the, you know, Asian restaurant scene in Melbourne will look like. And do you think this will be dictated by trends or, or otherwise, you know, staple restaurants always have a place in Melbourne? I think... Um, that you know you'll always have your go-tos your classic your mom and pop shops that you know just do great quality food and are you know always a, a hidden run every time that you go there but I think it's going to be a it's definitely going to change because I feel like the generation that's growing up now come to the point where they can start their own businesses or take over their family businesses and transform that business Mm. they have a def they have a more like it's different now because of social media and everything it's different like having something that looks good on instagram or it can be easily take a quick photo of it and send it to a friend because it looks great really plays in your favor but it doesn't take away from the fact that you know you're always going to have those staple restaurants and then you're always going to have those trendy restaurants too because mm. the way that people approach business will always be different like I said, there's people who approach it to just flip something really quick, get in and get out, and then there's there'll be different people like us who are maybe in it for a more mm. long term plan, or like are taking over a, a family business, and you know it's been in their family for generations. It's just evolving into the next thing now that it's in their hands. Yeah, I guess like one thing um um. I think about sometimes with some of the, the newer, more Instagrammable restaurants is I hope that like, I feel location is going to be a really big one. Like the, when you go to like the CBD, you might start to see like a bigger divide between like destination and more like mom and pop restaurants. Um, because over time, maybe like people might raise the rents in the city because they know like mm. people want to come in and introduce a concept because they know it's going to fly and people will come to the city. And so potentially you might push out some of the mom and pop places to, to suburbs but like i don't i don't mind that too much like I, I think like those places will always have a place in like people's hearts and like it, like the meals you get there regardless of you know level of service because i know some of my favorite places they just go chuck the food in front of you and they like walk <laughs> off like i genuinely don't mind i remember like it's a part a, of their charm yeah exactly there's a there's uh, an episode of Ugly Delicious where Alan Yang says, like, if the food is good enough, I don't care if the waiter punches me in the face. And I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with that because it's like, if you eat a life-changing thing and someone's just insulting you right next to you, I don't, like, that's fine. <laughs> like, obviously, this is just me, but like, I like, I, I really- I think it's like yeah. a Asian, it's an Asian thing, to be honest. I feel for sure. like for, sure. for us growing up, you know, it's that whole, you know, that whole hawker vibe where it's like, you don't know, like there could be like a table of 10 sitting next to you and they're having an argument, but you don't care because you're just so enthralled in what yeah. you're eating that it doesn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. Which, which I love, which I love so much. Um, I guess like uh, just a fun one, favorite trend and least favorite like food trend from, from the last couple of years. Mm. Um, I've definitely been, well, my, one of my favorites, um, being Filipino is 
seeing a lot of um, different Filipino chefs mm. now trying to bring up and, and educate people um, on what is Filipino food because, you know, you, you don't necessarily see a lot of Filipino food mm. um, throughout throughout Australia um, for different reasons. Um, but I think I, and, and this is speaking to other um, trends in, in the Asian food space, um, a lot, uh, the next generation of Asian Australians who have grown up here, who have immigrant parents, um, are now wanting to represent for their country. Mm. So, you know, you see a lot of Indonesian places popping up, you see um, Filipino places popping up, and you kind of just um, really starting to see um, a lot more diversity. I mean, at the start, I think a long time ago when our parents came, there was like a lot of Vietnamese and, and maybe Chinese restaurants, and those were really the staples. And now we're getting to see a lot more um, Southeast Asia, um, South Asia and and just really proliferating <laughs> um, and just um, yeah being more diverse. Um, I'll think about the my least favorite one though. Um, Actually, Angelo, I'm yeah. curious, where would you find good halo halo in Melbourne? Oof. Or does that not exist? Um, I would say, you know, there there are some possibly in like somewhere in Footscray Market. Mm. or somewhere mm. in, in St. Albans. But there's this new restaurant that just popped up um, that's probably like one of the best Filipino restaurants I've been to that presents well, but then also has great food that's quite mm. close Oof. to home. Um, it's called Chibog, uh, and that's in West Footscray. Oh, man. I'm right. We, we need a Jollibee oh, in Australia. We do. That is exactly what we need. Like that oh, best <laughs> they, they are They are hiring a, an operations manager. I saw the ad on LinkedIn wow. for... Jolly Bee Australia. Oh my god. It better be Melbourne. Why, Angelo? Our listeners listening. <laughs> Angelo, it better we, be we need an in. We need an in. So yeah, you better I'm quitting. apply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drop everything. Uh, I'm great. leaving consulting. I'm leaving consulting. I love I think <laughs> Filipino food is um so slept on. It's it's amazing. It's like Oh my god. It, yeah. I think it's gonna yeah, be the next yeah. big thing. I think like Korean food's having its big moment. Like people mm-hmm. are learning more about it's not just barbecue, you know, you have amazing soups. Like mm-hmm. Koreans are masters of fermentation, like all the pickles and stuff they make. Um, so I think I think honestly, Filipino food, Indonesian food is like the next big thing. Like it's going to come up, and it's exactly. awesome to hear that there's actually restaurants popping up, and you know, Jollibee is going to come to Australia. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's we'll hype. We'll be lining up. With <laughs> it's else. very hype. I can't wait. <laughs> We're uh, going to have a big party. What about you, Tessia? Do you have any uh, particular food trends? Yeah, I think the one that I love is, and I'll always love because it's like one of my favorite foods to eat, Mm. is the hot pot trend. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it's been great that like all of these different hot pot like bases have been coming out recently. Like uh, growing up, it wasn't very much variety. And like you said before, how the Sichuan flavors have been popping up. I'm a big fan of those. Mm. And I think it's cool that it's like, um, I think that's a permanent thing that's going to stay. And I really enjoy it, especially during the winter months. I think it's a quick, (laughs) easy, high quality pick me up. Um, But one of the trends that I hate that um, has been coming up is... um, Overpriced bubble tea. <laughs> yeah. Overpriced yeah. bubble tea because I know that, you know, the milk and the tea and the and the jellies and the pearls and the boba, they're all the same. You know, mm. they could make mm. it a bit more high quality. Like, they could be slightly higher quality, but they slap that 
extra $5 price tag or the $10 price tag because they start selling it to you in like a glass jar, for example. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, I just can't get around it. I'm just like, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think like uh, my willingness to pay for bubble tea has definitely hit a, a ceiling. Uh, <laughs> once it starts creeping into this like eight, nine dollar range, it was like the original, the, 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 the reason why I was more interested for bubble tea Village, was because yeah. Boost was so expensive. Mm-hmm. Like when you were a teenager, like I couldn't really justify paying for booze, but now it's like it's more expensive. Yeah, or more expensive. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you there. But like at, at the risk of getting crucified, and I think this is the the <laughs> moment where I have to reveal this. But like I I actually think hot pot's really overrated. Oh, that's a completely fair, <laughs> completely fair like, like uh, opinion oh. to have. I reckon, like this is a this is a dangerous thing to <laughs> say in a, a public forum because I I tell I tell Asian friends, Chinese friends, and they're like, "What is wrong with you? Like, there's what's yeah. the hate?" But let's like for the same reason that I think a lot of people like um, a lot of the new soup bases. It's kind of the reason why I don't because it feels like a sodium bomb, and oh, it's yeah, like, fair. yeah. I just can't, like, my mouth is, like, I can't eat any more of this. It's, like, so intensely flavoured. Um, yeah. So that's, oh, yeah, that's sort of my thing that I haven't been really into in terms of um, in terms of a trend that's been coming up. Um, the thing I have liked is, uh, a, I feel like there's a lot more places that sell onigiri now. Yeah. And that's like one of my favorite foods of all time. I think there's something like I'm, I'm not Japanese like whatsoever, but the, the the whole shape of it, how it's presented, it feels really homey and it mm-hmm. gives me this like very comforting feeling. And I, I think things like Jollibee, I always dream that like Lawson's and, you know, one day we'll come mm. to a, we'll come to Australia <laughs> and, yeah. we, and we'll have all those um you know, all those meals are ready to go things. So it's, yeah, Onigiri hits home for me. And like, yes, I think hot oh, pot yeah. is overrated. We know a really good so Onigiri place now. that's close to our place. Mm. It's called oh, 279. Build. Okay. And it's on, it's 279 Victoria Street in North Melbourne. Yeah. And they're just like a really like cute, very minimal, simple um, Japanese like cafe and they do bento boxes and they do so they do mainly onigiri and bento boxes and that's pretty much it and like coffee but everything's really good and really high quality everything's fantastic they're like you could get any onigiri and you will not be disappointed oh that's that's all i need to hear that's all i need to hear isabella spill the beans (laughs) what's hot what's not um you know what i Something that I have found to have irked me a lot has been just like the co-opting of bun me mm. by like white people. <laughs> like oh god, that shits me to no end. When like they put, uh, firstly, when they don't put any pate. Okay, granted, you know people have you know mm. different dietary requirements, but like when that's like chucking everything that anything they want, they don't know like how to constructive like a bun me. Oh, it infuriates me. And same with bubble tea, they just like jack up the prices, you know. And it's like, I'm not paying $12 for this when I could get it for, like, so much cheaper. Yeah, I feel like if a bun me doesn't have, like, the basic elements of, like, pickled carrot, coriander, butter, pate, it's just not a mm. bun me. It might as well just it be a sandwich. It needs pate. It needs just pate. Roll. It's not. It might as well just be it's a sandwich. It's not. You like, need the pate. Don't call it a bun me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> I absolutely agree. You, you really need the pate. I find the pate is exactly. essential. Like, I didn't know what it was as a kid. So, like, I, I don't know how you guys used to eat it, but as a kid, I would eat half of it. And then I would, like, peel it layer by layer. And I would always leave the bread for last because it had the pate on it. And I was yeah. just like, I don't know what this is, but it tastes really good. And, like, my mom would watch me eat it like, you're, you're like a weird child. <laughs> but, like, that, that was the best part. And, like, when I found out what it was, I was like, that's chill. Like, that's... <laughs> It's fire. Like it it's, tastes good. Yeah. Bami is the greatest sandwich ever. I wow, think it's the most, I think it's the most balanced sandwich and one of the most balanced foods in terms of like texture. You've got the acid. Um, mm-hmm. It's got like really savory and it like tastes really fresh all the time. So yeah, I'm putting it. I'm, I'm just I'm just doing all the hot takes tonight. Like I had a couple. Yeah. I, had a, I had a couple of drinks after work, so now it's like the filter <laughs> just completely come up. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree with you, Jeff. I think bun me is the number one like sandwich out there. For you definitely got to put a bun me. All the reasons that you said. Yeah, you definitely yeah. got to put a bun me in your sandwich shop when you do open, or you know, cut a couple of select uh, select mm. um, types of bun me. Yeah. Um, as a category, yeah. The- the, the bread is actually insanely hard to make. I've, I've watched a lot of recipes, but to get it so airy, is, it's, a, it's a really tough job. It's an art. So I was having a look back um, of, of when we actually started Scooby Milk Bar and made the decision to say, let's let's start a business or take, that, take the plunge, essentially. Mm. And um, it was actually around the same time that subtle Asian traits like um, like open their page mm. and the same time oh, within one week of crazy rich Asians coming out mm. so I don't know um, I don't know if we were I, I guess we were inspired back then to to really try something or take a risk or or, or something like that because um, you know we were seeing a lot of people similar who look similar to us mm. um doing amazing things uh, in the world or uh, even homegrown like subtle asian traits was um founded by you know high schoolers in north yeah. in northgate so um it was really encouraging to see that and that's why um we're super passionate about building an asian australian community um to showcase um, other people doing amazing things so that other people can see that and hopefully be encouraged and inspired yeah. to really do something for themselves, put themselves out there and yeah, just yeah. do yeah, it. Essentially, That's beautiful. Yeah, essentially yeah. we want them to be able to say what we said when we were starting our business and we saw our close friends or acquaintances who were starting their business as young, you know, Australian-born entrepreneurs as well we literally said if they can do it why can't we so i guess we want to continue to show that it's possible for people to do the things that they want to do and you know understand that it doesn't take a million bucks or it doesn't take you know um all the connections in the world to build up something small and and start it start from nothing and build it into something like we literally did that and I guess we want to share our story and kind of empower as many people as we can in the Australian Asian community so that they can feel the same way and so that we can, you know, get those waves rolling and make, make some impact in the community that we live in. Oh, preach. Yeah. 
And Preach. I, I think you will, you know, I think there's so much power in, yeah, like you said, like representation and having that extend beyond our TV screens and actually into, you know, real life businesses and actual impact. So, no, thank you for sharing that. And that's a, I think, really lovely note to end on. Um, so with that, firstly, I just want to say I'm really hungry now. So honestly, if you guys are still open, like... <laughs> <laughs> Let me holler at you and actually order something. Um, but secondly, just wanted to say a really big thank you to you both. It has been such a delight to have you both on and to hear your stories. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Make sure to go check out Scoopy in the CBD. Chuck him a follow on Instagram and uh, give us five stars and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys on the next one. See you later. Bye.